Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Well, we're in the middle of a series. Dennis and me are, are concluding this morning. Uh, I'm concluding the series that we've been doing on, uh, it's basically on identity. Uh, we're calling our, our September sermon series, Who Are You Really? Who Are You Really? And uh, last, or the first uh, two weeks ago, I talked about uh, uh, what are you? What are you? And I concluded that you are the crown of creation, the children of God, and co-heirs and co-regents with Christ. Now, guys, I hope just from seeing that one slide that you understand that there's no way that your worth can be overstated. You're worth only what someone is willing to pay for you. And Derek said it so well, uh, that sermon that I preached, because I brought him and his son Keenan up, Derek Young and Keenan Young, and, and I said, how much is he worth to you? And he said, well, Jesus sent his son to die for us, but I wouldn't sacrifice Kenan for anybody. And so if God thinks so much of you, each one of you, because he did it for you, if he thinks enough of you to send his son, his eternal son, who had been at his right hand for the entire, for the entire eternity, before the foundations of the universe were laid, as it says in, in uh, several places in Scripture, in New Covenant... If that's what he would do for you, you must be worth a lot. You must be worth a lot. And so, um, then last week, uh, Dennis preached, who are you? And he said, well, you know, you've got to understand the bad news is that you were sin. When Adam and Eve, our first set of parents, took that forbidden fruit off the tree and put it inside of themselves... They became one with sin. They were created in the image and likeness of God. And suddenly, after they ate this sinful fruit and it went inside of them and became a part of who they were, it was kind of almost like an unholy spirit took over. And they started looking a lot more like Satan and sin than they did God. And just a few chapters later, I believe it's chapter 6, where it says that God was grieved in his heart that he had created humankind upon the earth. That's how bad we were. That's how bad we got. And so we were sin. makes it really clear in the New Testament that, um, that that's our, that was our, uh, you know, Romans talks about that, 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 that you know, we, we just became sin. And, and so then the good news, in, as Dennis pointed out, in 2 Corinthians 5 is that he who knew no sin, Jesus, the, the innocent Son of God, the innocent Lamb of God, who came to take away the sin of the world, he who knew no sin became sin for us. In other words, he lived the perfect, obedient life. And right at the last minute, he switched places with us and went to, to take our death sentence for us in our place. It was the ultimate uh, sacrifice. Christ became sin for us so that now we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are Christ, his body. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Our life is now in Christ. We are forever united in oneness with Christ. It's awesome, awesome stuff. So who are you? Well, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are Christ Jesus in this world. It says in, uh, in 1 John 4, as Christ is, so are you in this world. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And now we can say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus, or we should be able to say that. And that's what that's what's, the Holy Spirit is conforming us to the image of Christ so that we can say that. I haven't said that to anybody yet, but someday I might. And then this, today we're going to talk about why are you? Why are you? This is the whole purpose question. Why are you? And I'm going to start where I left off two weeks ago. I, I left off reading from the Amplified uh, ver- version of the Bible. Um, it was actually a quote from a book called God is For Us by Baxter Kruger. And uh, Baxter used Ephesians 1, the first several verses, as a jumping off place to talk about what God wanted for us. And one of the things that Baxter says in preface to that scripture, in preface to how, how close God wanted us to himself, by the way, that, that ultimately is a mutual indwelling. God wants us so close that we are in him and he is in us. That's how close he wants us. I mean, you think about that, that your closest relationship on this earth, and it's usually either child, parent, or husband, wife, you can't get that close where there's a mutual indwelling. And that's what God, the God of the universe, wants for you and me. What in the world? We just, Satan has duped us, as Dennis talked about last week, he's the deceiver. Once we sin, in, in came sh- uh, fear and shame and hiding and separation, but that's never what God intended for us, as we're going to find out as we reread Ephesians 1. And so Baxter says about this passage, he's like, when you read these words, you got to understand, this is not some tired old man just talking about theology because he has to tell these Ephesians theological truths. He's like, when you start listening to the, the way that Paul, it's the longest run-on sentence, I think, in literature, by the way, that first chapter of Ephesians. He would have gotten an F on his you know, English paper if he'd been doing it in English because it just, it never stops just, st- I mean, Paul stacks words on top of words on top of words to describe this incredible, indescribable thing called God's love and grace and purpose. And so he says, when you read this or you hear this read, it should be the most exciting thing that you've ever encountered. And so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me do do justice as I read this, as we talk about why we are, why we exist, why God brought us into existence. So let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. We know you're already here. We just say more. Spirit of revelation. More revelation, more light. Spirit of power, more power to function in the fullness of all that God has given us in all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. More Holy Spirit, more understanding, more grace, more love, more holiness, more goodness. More of what God purposes for us. 
to become an experiential reality in our lives. And may you pour your spirit out on me today that I might communicate through the power of the spirit the truth that's here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now listen, I'm I'm, I'm going to try to read this and expound on it as I go. So just, just buckle up here, guys. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. There is no other creature, there is no angel, there is no, there is no universe, there, nothing in all of creation has that from God. Do you understand that? You're the only recipient of this, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. That's, that's beyond amazing. Just as in his love he chose us in Christ, And the Amplified says, actually selected us, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundations of the universe were laid. See, here's the thing. If I won't go like this, let me go back because I don't think I wanted to do that. So there was one thing left off here, but oh, oh, here it is. You were chosen, that last line. You were, my, my notes look a little different than, than that. But you were chosen by God from all eternity past, selected for himself as his own. You were chosen. Like, like if I, I let's say that, that this represents the fall of, of man and this represents the cross of Christ. And if I could go and just show you eternity that way, it would never end. I mean, we'd be to China and back. And then if I could go beyond the cross and go that way through all eternity in the new heaven and the new earth, in the dwelling place of God, with God with us and us with him, it would go on for, I mean, to China and back again. That This little thing that happened here, the fall of, of humans and the cross of Christ... It's just a little bleep on, on, the, on the, the line of eternity. But God shows us in eternity past, and God, an eternal God never makes time and, time and space decisions. You and I have always existed in the heart and mind of God as long as he's existed, which means forever. There was never a time where you didn't exist as God's loving desire in, the heart and mind, in his heart and mind. Never was there a time. And so I love this. In love, he predestined and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to himself as his own children through Jesus Christ in the kind intention and good pleasure of his will. I'm going to stop right there and make this observation. You notice it says that he predestined us and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to himself Well, adoption means that there was a time where we weren't his, and now we are again. Does that make sense? Adoption, you know, I was actually an in-wed mistake, according to the way my parents tell the story. I was a little two months into the new marriage, whoops. My mom was Catholic, and so... No birth control, and um, 
My parents had been married two months when I was conceived. Um, my mom was thrilled. I don't think my 25-year-old dad was quite ready for a child. <laughs> and uh, I understand that. I get that. I totally get that. But I was no mistake to my father. Amen. And neither were you. Okay? So we were made to be sons. We spiritually died in Adam. And then we were adopted back into the family in Christ. I love a story about a little boy who he and his dad, his kid was, you know, early grade school, and uh, his dad came to him one day and said, hey, son, let's, let's do a project together. Let's make a boat. So they, they got some wood and, and got some materials, and they maybe it was a kid, I don't know, but they, uh, they started working. They made this little boat. It's about this big, and... And there was a little creek down from this kid's house. And after school every day, he would come home and he would take his boat and had a little sail on it. And, and uh, he would tie a string on it and he would put it in the water and he would walk along the creek bed as the boat would, would go down the creek. And he just loved this boat. He just had, you know, every day after school, that was the thing he did. And one day, uh, it, the, the string got tangled up in some brush and as he was trying to disengage it, the string broke, and, and the current just swept the boat away, and it was gone. And he chased it as far as he could see it, but eventually the creek went into some thick brush, and he couldn't keep up with it, and it was gone. And he cried himself to sleep for a week. And then one day, he was on his bike. This several months later, he was on his bike, and, and he was riding in this little downtown area uh, not far from his house. And he passed a pawn shop, and there in the window of this pawn shop sat his boat. And so he parked his bike, and he marched into the pawn shop, and he walked up to the counter, and he looked up at the pawn shop owner, who was, of course, a very compassionate man, as most pawn shop owners are. And he said, sir, that's my boat in your window. Give it to me, please. And he said, no, son, that's my boat, and if you want it, it'll cost you 25 bucks. And so there was no persuading this kind-hearted pawn shop owner. And so the little boy left frustrated but determined to get his boat back. And so he went and he, he did odd jobs and he saved his money and, and he, he collected, you know, over the next several weeks, he collected a jar full of change that ultimately amounted to 25 bucks. And when he finally got that money together, he took the jar down to the pawn shop, walked in, sat it on the counter, said, Sir, here's your $25. Now give me my boat, please. The guy counts the change, 25 bucks, walks over, takes the boat out of the window, hands it over the counter to the little boy. And as the little boy walks out of the pawn shop, with this look of admiration on his face, the pawn shop owner hears him say these words, You're mine twice. The first time I made you, the second time I bought you. You see what, that's, see what I'm saying? He made you. He lost you. And then he purchased you back with the blood of his own son. You've been adopted. That's what that means. You've been bought back. You've been brought back. Unlike the, uh, uh, the older brother in the, in the story of the prodigal son... Our true older brother left his place of glory 
came into the far country, put on the pig slop, and came after us to bring us home in himself, sacrificing everything to do it. So in love, he predestined us and lovingly planned for us. Now, you got to understand, if God doesn't make time and space decisions, he didn't get surprised by the fact that we were going we to sin and fall before he created us. Do you understand what I'm saying? In eternity, past, when the Father and Son had already decided in eternity, for eternity, that they were going to create us in their image, they knew that the fall would happen. They knew they have foreknowledge. They know from the, the they know the end from the beginning. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, and so this had already been determined in the heart of God. The atonement. Jesus knew from all eternity what He would have to go through to redeem us, and decided to do it anyway. Guys, I don't like pain. I just had a COVID test this week. They ran a swab down my nose so far I thought they were scratching the inside of my belly button I'm telling you it that was painful and I knew ahead of time I was gonna have to do that and that wasn't very pleasing to me and I was dreading it but think about what Jesus knew he was gonna have to go through he knew every hair that would have been ripped out of his beard he knew every piercing nail every every stripe on his he knew that for all eternity he knew the weight that he would feel. The physical pain, I am quite certain, was nothing compared to the emotional pain, the psychological pain of bearing the guilt of every sin of every human that ever lived and being separated from his father that he had known for eternity. I can't even imagine the physical pain, let alone that. It's crazy. It's just unbelievable that he would be willing to take that risk for you and me. It wasn't a risk. It was a done deal. The lamb who was slain from before the foundations of the world were laid. Read it in Revelation 12. To the praise of his glorious grace and favor, which he so freely bestowed on us in his beloved son, Jesus Christ. You were chosen by God to be adopted as a child of God. That's why, you, that's why you exist. You were chosen to be adopted by God as a child. Well, we've kind of already talked about that, but you know, I don't think we can ever say it enough. <laughs> there is no other creature. Satan himself, Lucifer himself, an archangel alongside of... of um, um, Michael, and who was the other one? Gabriel, yeah, those guys, anyway, you know, I think there are probably four of them. Um, but, you know, he was the highest thing that ever been created up until the Father turned to the Son and said, okay, now that everything else is created, let's make humankind in our image. Michael said, sure. Satan said, no way. And he says, I will, I will. Exalt my, I will exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. I will make myself like the Most High. I will make myself like God. And so when we were created, he comes to us, slithers up on a tree and says, Hey, you want to be like God? Well, that's what he was wanting to do. Well, we were already like God. He just 
sold us a bill of goods. But we, God wasn't going to be thwarted. His purposes for us were not going to be thwarted. And so he had a plan already in place. In him we have, been rede- we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. In accordance with the riches of his grace. I want to, I want to go back just for a moment. I, I, I skipped over something here. Uh, it says we were adopted to be his own children in the kind and good and pleasure of his will. It was God's pleasure to create us. It was God's pleasure to create us. He was pleased with us. This was his will. To the praise of his grace, his glorious grace and favor, which he so freely bestowed. I want you to look at the words that that are coming up here. Freely bestowed. Poured out on us. Glorious grace and favor. Pleasure of his will. God, this was his idea, and he loved it from the start. It was always his purpose and intention. In fact, it was God's ultimate purpose and intention to have us be his and to be with him forever. That was the most important thing in his his world. God was already whole. He already existed in relationship. There was already a father, a son, and a spirit. He didn't need us. He just wanted us. God did not need some, some little creatures to entertain him. You know, oh, it's kind of bored out here in nothingness. I think we'll create some little creatures so we can entertain ourselves by watching them be stupid. You know, I, I don't think that's what God had in mind for us. That's kind of what happened, but, you know, anyway, that, not really. Okay. So, so let's go back to verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, in accordance with the What? The riches of his grace. That word keeps coming up. Grace, it's just like you can't deserve this. There is nothing about you that deserved to be created. There's nothing about you that deserved to be created as a child. There was nothing about you that, was, that deserved to be redeemed after you, you sinned and were lost. And there's still nothing that you can do to deserve to be adopted into the family of God and entered into a relationship so close with God that you're in Him and He's in you for all eternity. And yet, He's giving it to us anyway. In fact, it says, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and understanding. Those two things held together is absolutely mind-blowing. He's, the, the word lavish cannot be overstated. Paul, Paul just uses these Superbulies, as they're called. This means that, that he just uses words that just are, are really big. And the word lavish, you grandparents understand this word. Because it's what you do with your grandchildren. And what you should have done with your kids. But you were too tight and tired. <laughs> but now that you're not, you have more money and more energy, or at least you're not expending it on your children... You could take the grandkids for a couple hours and just lavish on them all kinds of candy, sugar, you know, get them all sugared up and give them back to their parents to, you know, go home and be tired and, you know. But grandparents just tend to lavish, lavish love, lavish attention, lavish good things on their grandchildren. You know where they get that? You know where you guys get that as grandparents? 
from your maker because you're created in his image and likeness? Guys, if you don't know how God loves you and don't understand it, just reflect on how you feel about your grandkids for a few minutes. Those of you who have grandkids, you'll figure it out. Now, for some reason, I'm 62 and I don't have grandkids. And I'm a little bitter about that at this point because I keep having to borrow other people's kids and grandkids. I, I want to tell you a story. I got to tell you the story. So we go to lunch a few weeks back, and, um, and my, my good buddy Dennis and his daughter Avika, and actually uh, Marina was with us that day, we go to Wendy's. And Vika informs me as soon as I walk in the door that I am sitting with her. And so she sees me. She's been watching for me to come in. I don't know why I have her favor, but I do. And so as soon as she sees me walk through the door, she marches up to me, informs me, Pastor Neela, that's what she calls me, Pastor Neela. See, if you add an A to the end of a a name in Russian, it becomes female. So I I don't understand... (laughs) You know, it's Dennis Kozlov and Marina Kozlova. So I'm Pastor Neela for some reason. Anyway, you, will, you are going to sit with me. I have to tell you something. You're going to sit. It's just always, I have to tell you something. I have to tell you something. You're going to sit with me. I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I get my food. and So Dennis is in line right in front of me, and I, and, and I hear him interact with the, uh, the person behind the counter at Wendy's, and he says, um, my daughter, now they had just started like two weeks before doing these um, uh, Spongebob uh, character um, dolls. Um, you know, you kind of have to put them together or whatever. But anyway, um, for children and their children's meal, kids' meal, whatever. And so Vika had gotten Mr. Krabs two weeks in a row. And Mr. Krabs is not the most warm, cuddly, you know, of the characters in, in Spongebob, if you know anything about him. <laughs> so... So anyway, he said, uh, my daughter has gotten Mr. Krabs two weeks. Do you have anything else that... So they gave her Sandy the squirrel, which is really interesting. In an undersea adventure, there's a squirrel. But um, <laughs> so I go and sit down, and Dennis is getting you know, napkins and other things. And so he, he comes and sits down, and I wish that I could play this on the screen for you, the way this thing plays out. I'm going to try to be Vika. So um, please excuse the, you know, the, the terrible imitation of Dennis's daughter. But Dennis hands her Sandy the squirrel. And she goes, oh, Sandy. Oh, Pastor Neela, I have wanted Sandy for so long. It's only been three weeks. I have wanted Sandy for so long. She is so adorable. I just love Sandy. She is just so wonderful, and I just love her so much. She's just going on and on and on about this. And she said, I got two Mr. Krabs. I said, well, really, you got three. You got the two dolls and your dad. But anyway, yeah. So, but... um. She, uh, sorry, Dennis, I paid you back for something. Um, but she's just like lavishing her adoration on this plastic, you know, animal that she just got that she wanted for her whole life. That's kind of a picture of God, you know, going on over you. Like, I mean, honestly, he does adore you. He does feel that way about you.
I think she was faking it a little bit, but um, she's quite the little actress. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. There it is again, his good pleasure. I mean, we please him. He was pleased to make us. He wanted you so much. He wanted you so much. I, I, um, God, God the Father did all of this by and for his good pleasure. Right before both my children left for YWAM, uh, Wes and Lily and I were driving uh, down 68, heading towards, I think maybe we were going to Young's, I'm not sure. It was just the three of us. And it was one of those moments where I realized that, I mean, Wes was leaving in like a week and Lindsay was week, leaving the week later. He was heading to Australia, she was heading to Ireland. And I was, it was one of the last times I was going to be with them. And I, I was just feeling very nostalgic, very syrupy on the inside. And, and just filled with love and, and, and just so much joy with, with my children and so proud of what they were doing. And, and uh, I just had a dad moment. And I said, guys, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was not kind of an accident. I was kind of like, a, oops, you know, uh, when, when I was conceived. But I said, your mom and I wanted and planned both of you. Like, we decided to stay single for two years. I mean, single. Uh, uh, we decided to stay married for two years and then have children. I'm sorry, I'm having brain glitches today. Decided to be married for two years just to, you know, get used to each other. We were both older, kind of adjusting to the whole concept of marriage at 32. That was quite an adjustment for me. And I thought I was so, I was going to be such a great husband. I had no idea how selfish I'd become. But um, anyway, I... Uh, we, we said two years. And at the end of two years, we decided to go ahead and, and try to have our first child. And uh, Deb and I both were convinced we were going to have a girl for some reason. And then, you know, Wes surprised us. And, and I, I had to adjust to that for about five minutes. And then once I, once I got my brain adjusted, I'm like, I'm a son. And when Dr. Beatty handed me that boy and I held him in my arms for the first time, I was holding my heart in my arms. And I gave him immediately to the Lord. I just dedicated him right there in that, in that moment to God. And then uh, two years later, um, we had our girl. I remember the ultrasound and finding out that it was going to be a girl. And Deb started crying, and I started laughing and jumping up and down. And, and, and so we were just thrilled that we were having a son, a daughter. And, and they came, and we... We loved them, and we brought them home, and we just, they became our lives, our world. And, and I said, you guys just need to know that you were, you were planned and purposed by us. We wanted you. We planned for you. We purposed you. And you're not here by an accident. You were here because you were wanted. And, and Wes turned to me and he said, Dad, I wish that every child could hear that from their parents. I wish every child could hear that from their parents. Well, I do too. I, I really do too. It's really an important thing. But that's how God feels about you. And so you are wanted. You were wanted. You were purposed and planned. In Him also we have received an inheritance a destiny 
We were claimed by God as his own, have been chosen and appointed beforehand according to the purpose of him, the Father God, who works everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. God the Father has purposed and given us an inheritance and an eternal an eternal destiny that involves him. You know that you are his inheritance and he is our inheritance? Plain and simple. You're, it says in that prayer that I read last week over us that we are God's inheritance and he is our inheritance. I feel like we got the better end of that deal somehow. So, why are you? God wanted children, lots of them. <laughs> he wanted lots of children, all shapes and sizes and colors and, you know, male and female. He wanted us all. And he just wanted to be surrounded by his children, just surrounded by us, always. Hebrews 2, 10 through 12, and bringing many sons to glory both the one who makes people holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy are of the same family. We're of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. <laughs> We're Jesus' brothers and sisters. That's just, we have been invited in, adopted in, born into... When we're born again, we're, you know, there's an adoption, but there's also a born-again process where we're born into Adam, but we're born again into Christ. So we're twice born and once adopted into the family of the Trinity. Now, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are our divine source, but we're divine recipients. Does that make sense? 2 Peter 1 says that we are participants in the divinity of God. We participate in his divine nature. We're not the source of divinity. We're the recipients of divinity. He gives us his spirit. He indwells us, and he invites us to indwell him. It's just unreal. To some extent, and, and someone... <laughs> actually left our church at one point over this statement, but I'm going to say it again because it's true. We, there, there's an aspect of human beings that is divine because we are indwelt by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are participants in his divine nature, okay? I'm not saying you are a God. I'm just saying you are indwelt by God. And we will be in, in that family circle for all eternity. I think that's what Satan just really got upset about because he, did, he wasn't included in that. So why are you? Well, I'm not going to elaborate on this scripturally. I'm just going to say this. One of the things that a parent wants is for our children to love us back. Like we love our kids. We love our grandchildren. But it's, it's empty. It's, it's, it's painful. It's it's gut-wrenching if we don't get loved back. I just talked to a grandmother this week who told me that her grandson uh, had been very mean to her and very, had said some very harsh things to her. And she loves this, loved this kid his entire life with her whole heart. And it was just so gut-wrenching. She wept on the phone and she talked about this because we want to be loved back by our children, our grandchildren. Well, God wants the same thing. 
And that's, that's why he's gone to such an extent to show his love to us, just at the chance that we would love him back. Why are you? God wanted you to be his ambassadors on earth. This is, this is really good stuff, guys. You see, we're not just children. We're not just little kids. We're actually adult children involved in the, the ministry of the kingdom that he's involved with. You remember when Jesus called his disciples? Uh, before he called them, he went into Nazareth. He pulls out the scroll of Isaiah. He reads Isaiah 61, which is a messianic prophecy. And he reads all the stuff that he's going to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to open the eyes of the blind, blah, blah, blah. He reads all this stuff, rolls the scroll up, hands it back, and says, Today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Three chapters later, he tells his disciples to go and do the same stuff. Which gives me the impression that he wasn't here just to hold this to himself and just do this himself. That he had come to bring us into that same ministry. That's why we have the School of Kingdom Ministry. That's why we're doing this integrated healing seminar on, on the October 9th and 10th. Because we've been given the authority to do the same works that Jesus did and even greater things than these. If you read John chapter 10, verse 12, that's what he says. God wants us to be little Christ here on this earth, advancing the kingdom, loving people. Show, you know, Again, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. That's what he wants. He wants us to be ambassadors. I was thinking about this, and I've thought of several examples about um, what it means to be an ambassador or, you know, like prominent people whose children have grown up to be their ambassadors. And even in the political scene right now, we, we have that. But, um, but the one that I thought I could share this morning, because I don't like to get into politics, is the, uh, Bill Johnson, who, uh, when he took over the church in um, that's Bethel Church, um, there were 40 people. And it was, it was a little uh, Assemblies of God church, and now it's uh, t- maybe 25,000. I don't know how many it is. Bill was a man of God who pursued God, and um, he, he invested that in his kids. And so when his kids grew up, uh, his son Joel uh, started, um, is it Joel? Brian, Brian, yeah, Brian Johnson, started Bethel Music, which we do a lot of their stuff. So, you know, he's an ambassador for, for, you know, what his dad was a part of. He also became a part of. Now, Bill has kind of semi-retired. He's gone into emeritus status. And his son, Eric, has taken over senior pastor. His two sons are now, like, one is over this incredible music, you know, thing that's happening. And his other son is actually running the church. I mean, that's the kind of thing that God wants us to do as his children, to be his ambassadors, to be involved in in the family business, so to speak. And that's why, you know, we're still here. And that's why we run School of Kingdom Ministry. And that's why we do seminars on how to minister to people in the spirit because we're supposed to be doing this stuff. And we do it in here, but we also do it out there. I love, love what Lindsay said about taking this stuff out there. Like, she didn't want to do outreach, but now, man, I'll be somewhere with my daughter, and she'll be like, Dad, I feel like I'm supposed to go pray for that person. I'll be like, okay, go for it, you know. 
I mean, she was so shy, she never left her bedroom until after high school. And now she walks up to total strangers and gives them, I feel like the Lord just wants me to tell you, blah, blah, blah. Or, do, you know, is there something that you need prayer for? I just sense the Lord wants me to pray for you about something. I mean, that, you know, we're ambassadors. We're, she's extending the love of God to, to those who need Jesus. He wants us to be involved in the work of his kingdom. And I could preach a whole sermon on that, but I'm going to stop there. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Thank you. I must be done. Okay. (laughs) We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though Christ were making his appeal through us, which he actually is. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the message. Be reconciled to God. Here's really the message. Jesus, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's... He's already paid for your sins. Just come home to God. The Father has opened the way home. The Father has opened the way home through the Son. All you have to do is come home. The door's open. The gate's open. The path is cleared. Just come home to the Father. That's the ministry. That's the, that's the, uh, I implore you in Christ, be reconciled to God. Jesus has already done the hard work. He's already done the heavy lifting. He's already removed every roadblock. Just come back to the Father because he loves you. That's the message. And then finally, most awesome thing of all is God wants to spend all eternity with you. I mean, that's really the bottom line, ultimate purpose. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, which is us, by the way. The new Jerusalem is us. It's not a city as much as it is the the, uh, residence of the city. Coming down out of heaven for God, prepared as a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look... Now listen to this. This is packed with so much about God's ultimate purpose and intention for us. Look, God's dwelling place. God's dwelling place. The whole universe can't contain him, and yet his dwelling place is now among his people. And he will dwell with them. Again, dwelling, dwell. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. That's the third time it says that he's going to dwell with us and be their God. We're his people. He's our God. Three different times in that one short verse, it says that we're going to be his dwelling place. He will dwell with us, and we will dwell with him. Man, that's why you exist, guys. That's why you exist. He wanted lots of children. He's crazy about you. He, he just, yeah, he, he just loves you to pieces, and he, he, he wants you to love him back. I mean, he created us to love him back. He created us to be about the family business, and he's, his, his whole purpose is to spend all of eternity with as many kids as he can draw into his kingdom. Thanks for listening. 
We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.